the New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money. This is the New Zealand Business Podcast, and I'm with Andy Hamilton. Welcome along, Andy. G'day, Paul. You've been the CEO of the Ice House really since since the beginning, since its inception way back in, uh, what, 2001? Yep, 13 years. 13 years. Now, uh, Ice House is, is all about helping, well, well, you'll fill us in on that a little bit later, but but certainly startups, uh, small to medium businesses, and, and, and having a positive impact, I guess, on the business community in New Zealand in general. Uh, but before we dive into that, keen to hear a little bit about your background and uh, you know, what came before the Ice House? What, what, what led you into it? So I did the classic, you know, went to university, uh, did the OE uh, actually for a year at the end of uh, my degree, actually America's Cup, 91-92, came back as a lawyer, uh, Russell McVeigh, wanted to get into business, actually became a personal assistant to a guy called Murray Bolton, who's current owner of the Blues, uh, and then ended up uh, actually running a couple of... Uh, Retail shop for Massport. Uh, I was a marketing manager for Massport Barbecues and Woodfires, and then actually went to Fletcher's Fletcher Building for three years. And that's actually how I probably ended up getting into this gig because I was involved with corporate venture capital making investments, and I was a mentor on the Great New Zealand Business Plan competition. Met the person who ultimately became my employer and Bridget Liddell, who was the founding chair of the Ice House, and she said, "Hey, you should apply for this." Role and I was unemployed at that time and just got engaged to a Africana, so I was like, actually, a job would be quite good in the eyes of her father. Yeah, I can I can imagine that. And over that time, from the beginning to where you are now, what did the Ice House sort of start out as? It started out actually very similar to what we are today, which is on the two sides: working with startups, helping them you know, launch and get offshore and then working with SMEs or owner managers of privately owned businesses. That's actually what we were back on June the 11th, 2001 when we launched. Yes, we do a lot more than that, but essentially it's those two groups, owner managers of privately owned businesses, startup entrepreneurs. And what is it that you do with with each of those audiences? Well, I suppose, uh, you know, our tagline is where Kiwi businesses grow. So principally, we're about helping both those groups take their business from wherever it is now to the next level. That might be more revenue, it might be more staff, it might be more profitability, but it's in the context of where they're at and what they want to do. If you look at a startup, the single biggest challenge they have is raising money, uh, and but we would say probably validating their market to make sure it's a good market to spend the next 10 or 15 years of their life is probably equally as important. I think with an owner-manager, it's slightly different, actually. It's more about how you can enable them to maybe get a bit more, I'd say chutzpah, but just a bit more aggression into their business to grow it. Slightly different, actually. I've got the saying that uh, all you need to grow your business is aspiration and competence. But when you think about it from a startup, they have an overweight of aspiration and maybe not that much competence. But for a you know, 10 or $20 million privately owned New Zealand business, they actually have great competence to run that business. But if they've owned it for more than five or 10 years, they actually lose some of the aspirational, that dreamy stuff. So it's kind of interesting working with both groups. And when you look at those, those startups that you have worked with, is there, you know, is there any sort of stat that you can, uh, you can share? Because as you say, there's a, there's a lot of aspiration there, but it doesn't necessarily turn into, into a real business. No, look, I think, you know, I remember when I started the Ice House, people talked about a 59 or 60% failure rate of startup companies, and I thought, 
that can't be true. And look, the reality is, I think it is, even more so today, I think people get in, try and have a go at starting it, it doesn't work out, and they get out and they go and get a job, or they try and do another startup. And that mentality, maybe out of the US around being like baseball, just keep striking and eventually your your whack it is actually I think uh, is true it's just there are a lot of people who try and you know start something off and it doesn't work the difference from 10 years ago was people went with their startup for five years before they gave up now they're giving up in 12 to 18 months because it's just not validating and it's better to spend your time on something that actually is going to get traction in the market. And is that one of the things that the Ice House is helping with, is helping people to accelerate that process so they don't have five years of being extremely poor, but they work through that very quickly and, and make that decision one way or the other, get funded, etc., and, and keep going or stop? Totally. Well, look, the, the Startup Entrepreneur, uh, I think, looks uh, as the most important validation is customers, right, but often haven't built their product. And so the second way they think about it is raising money. What we try and say to them is, don't raise the money until you know you've got a viable concept. So don't waste your time getting money when you're not actually sure whether it's a market you want to be in. That's hard for entrepreneurs because they just want to get traction and they want to get feedback that they've got something that's special. But, you know, money is not the driver. What is the driver is customers demanding wanting your product or your solution so what we try and do is force them back into understanding that viability by talking to the market and yes have some assumptions but actually find out what people really want and need and then go to investors with that that's a massive thing that is a big challenge no entrepreneur likes talking to the market from what i can see there's an exception most of them just want to keep believing in their own stuff and with the the SMEs that you deal with, what what is it that you do for them? How does that, that look? So, uh, you know, I made that comment before about aspiration and competence. So essentially what we do is we run uh, uh, learning programs for owner managers and their senior staff that are about them trying to improve their capability, lift their performance, and ultimately in the business that, you know, enables them to grow, create jobs and, and wealth. And, and it's as much about either a one-to-many, so in a learning environment with another 25 business owners, or it's a one-to-one coaching environment. And what we've found, you know, over the years, some people like being around other business owners and learning from each other, uh, as well as having content uh, and input, you know, from facilitators, whereas the other business owners that just want to work one-to-one with a coach to help them grow their business. So, you know, underneath it all, it's about lifting their capability, sometimes listening helping them lift their aspirations but uh, you know mostly it is really about lifting the skills to enable them to cope with taking that business to the next level. That must be a pretty satisfying thing to be part of. Yeah I think it's you know it creates I don't think I ever would have stayed at the Ice House for that long 13 years if it wasn't like an oxygen to us because we're pretty lucky to see across the spectrum the experiences of these people and to be invited into their world is a great honour and a privilege and it sounds kind of you know for me funny to say that but the reality is just to see that it's very very special and you know immediately I mean I think that the business owners of New Zealand like the SMEs the owner managers they are the heroes of our economy they actually create the unemployment the growth the new jobs yes the big guys are really important the unemployment no 
Did I say that? <laughs> yeah, must be negative this morning. Yeah. So no, you know, all of the employment yeah. that yeah. comes, yeah. and and that's a known fact. The net new jobs are created by smaller businesses yeah. and the startups. Yeah, yeah. And in terms of being able to help them out, it must be must be challenging to find the right people to uh, to be able to get in and, and be on your team or because it's so exciting you find uh, people sort of line up to be a part of the ice house and to and to be involved in doing that well look I think um, you know we attract a lot of interns and people from universities and politics who want to come and work with us because we're a channel now uh, to get to businesses I mean SMEs owner managers I would say are the most discerning group of individuals they really I have don't have a lot of time. Are very challenged uh, by the stuff they need to do with their customers, and so that you know to get them to focus with us is challenging. But having said that, over the years we've built, um, I think, a great relationship with so many of those business owners. Yet yeah, it is an exciting place to be. But we also at the Ice House have to eat our own dog food. So you know we have to be a good place to work where people want to come, that they learn, uh, that they get remunerated effectively well. Uh, and, you know, I think we've created that over the years, a pretty special culture. But I would say the culture is there because of the underlying purpose or the why we have in the Ice House. Like, it's an amazing per- place to work because all of the people who work with me get a massive buzz out of helping companies grow. And that you know that, that why we all talk about the Simon Sinek TED podcasts, it feels a very special place to be because of what we're doing. And I think also because it's really hard to get the customer. You know, we don't have people line up at the door like a Stephen Tyndall does at K1W1 or the venture capitalists. You know, ironically, actually, though, most of our SMEs don't want that type of venture capital private equity. You know, they love the banks. They love borrowing more money because that's the world that they can control, you know, paying the bank manager rather than having somebody else trying to tell them what to do. Sure, and I guess yeah, it, it must vary according to what type of business they are in terms of what is the appropriate way that you would recommend that they should be funded too. Absolutely. Now, in in this time that the Ice House has been running, and and I guess before that too, um, certainly there must be some some patterns you've seen about the way that we do business here uh, in New Zealand. Some areas we're maybe not as as sharp as as others, but maybe there's a few areas that. Uh, that stand out too that uh, that you know help us to do well. Yeah, look, I've got a theory that um, so you know, like I'm 45. Uh, I went through as probably a young adult, seeing the the shocks that happened in the 80s in New Zealand with the share market crash, structural reforms. I've got this theory that for the next 20 years, New Zealand was asleep, uh, and I think we lost our way in the world. Uh, we became very introverted in the 90s and we really forgot how to win and compete internationally. I think in the 2000s that's flipped around immeasurably. I also think you know our owner managers have actually become quite in tune with what they need to do to be successful. So I'm actually incredibly optimistic when I look at the shift now and we see these businesses, you know, whether it's everyone's heard of Zero and SLI, but, you know, people wouldn't have heard of Pro-Life Foods out of Hamilton that does the dry goods bins and supermarkets. It's now, what, 150 million and in Australia employing 700 people. I think there is, um, I'm pretty optimistic about the capability, but also the awareness that exists in these firms to be successful. I think the other thing I say is, you know, um, it is easy to be comfortable and complacent in New Zealand, 
just because we're so far away from the market and, uh, you know, encouraging more people to go out and go to China, you know, and go to places. I mean, I say it with my kids, you know, hey, you know, they're afraid of going to India, right? Why? Because they see all the poverty there on the, on the internet. And I'm like, right, well, that's where we're going because you've got to see actually how, yeah. how lucky you are in the environment we have here, but also the opportunity that these markets exist. Yeah, absolutely. And a market like India is, I mean, it's just phenomenal from a scale perspective. It's complex. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to get your head around. It is. And are there, I mean, do, do you see any particular sort of trigger points that are, uh, you know, that are, that are pushing, um, you know, this outward thinking? Look, look, I don't know. I mean, a lot of the new generations coming through. I mean, one of the things I'll share with you is, you know, I'm, you, made the comment before about aspiration and competence we have a view that we don't uh, at the ice house agree with the three b things the beach the batch and whatever the you know um uh and the beamer uh which a lot of yeah yeah, whatever a lot of people from the outside believe new zealand business owners settle Mm -hmm. we actually think what happens is that they don't believe they can win so they give up because they go, it's too hard to go from a 5 to a $10 million business. Other people say, I had that settling. It's not actually. It's business owners, entrepreneurs going, I've looked at the odds. I don't believe I can win. I'm just going to stay where I'm at. And so what we've observed is, is that if you can fire a rocket up there behind or help them to believe they can win by being not number eight wire, being more sophisticated, getting wise people around, like Pro-Life Foods got you know, the former CEO of Woolworths on their board when they went into Australia recently, which made a massive difference. I think you can actually see these people going, why can't we compete? Why can't we go into India, China, and actually do this and, you know, do it in the right way? Just don't go there and make it up as you go. So I actually see, you know, what I love is I look at Rod Jury and you see so many wannabes wanting to be Rod Jury. When we all grew up in school, we thought about the great sports people, the John Walkers, that we all wanted to be. Absolutely. And now we want to see more of the people who want to be a Sam Morgan, want to be a Rod Jury, want to be a Rowan Simpson in the tech world. And I think that's fantastic. Again, in the owner-managers, I just think it's about the confidence that they can compete and win Whereas in the 80s and 90s, I think it was drummed out of us with our ability to be unique and different. And now that's coming back. And, you know, another thing, great institution, which is the Kiwi landing pad in San Francisco. You see these guys now, you know, interns going up and spending a month in San Francisco. What happens to them when they get there? They're shocked. They're there for a month. All of a sudden they go, actually, maybe I, I'm, I'm not so useless. Maybe I can compete up there and win. And I think that belief thing is a really important thing for us. Uh, the other thing you've seen in New Zealand now is these capital markets are getting interesting. Sure. Uh, and I think the banks are really interested in supporting these businesses that are growing. So, you know, I think that's kind of interesting. It doesn't change business fundamentals that, you know, to actually succeed in a market like China, it's challenging. Absolutely, if you, if yeah. you ain't Chinese, I mean, it's yeah, it's not an easy thing. Um, do you? How much um, weight do you put on the value of the time that you've spent overseas, be it your OE or at other times, in in helping you uh, get that picture on what the possibilities are for our businesses here? Look, I think all of us have our own unique kind of experiences that 
either help us to be a pattern matcher or not. Um, you know, one of the things I get frustrated with in the ice house is when I see any of my team trying to tell people what the answer to the question is, because adults learn by doing, uh, not by being told what to do. So, look, my own personal stuff. You know, I don't. I haven't lived offshore as much. I've lived in San Diego. Um, but I came from a family background where every different culture from around the world came through a house because my dad was a travel agent and outbound tour operator. So he had a lot of people coming to New Zealand and we travelled a lot with him. And, and so I, that's just been around me. Also having married a non-Kiwi, I'm exposed to that cultural, you know, South African, Australian influence. And so I think it's important. I think what you also realise is if you spend time in Shanghai, Guangzhou, Mumbai, you know, you do not recommend to young startups to go there without any cultural connection or people in their founding team from there because they'll just get spanked. You might go for an OE and do a startup and not care about the outcome because you'll be better for it. I mean, there's a great guy called John DeKelt who lives in New York who's an expat Kiwi. He did a startup in Shanghai, which is incredible. But I think it's challenging. Most of us live in the bell curve you know, we are all from the same place. So if we come from Auckland or we come from New Zealand, that's where we were. It's very hard to traverse cultures. can be done, but, you know, you've ultimately you have to localise. Now, in terms of the things that, that Ice House is able, that the Ice House is able to do to, uh, you know, to help businesses, and you talked about uh, the the example there, having a director from, uh, from, from Woolworths, yep. um, have you got a lot of the sort of connections that can that can uh, you know help those that uh, that work with you to find those people that maybe they need to pull in and totally. and, and to help them? I mean, our byline for for our customers is we provide expertise, networks, and funding. We think expertise is the number one thing, and that networks and funding are enablers of your success. Obviously, many business owners believe they have their own expertise and that's good enough and that all they need is the networks and funding and that's where we sometimes say well no you're not going to get access to the networks or the funding because we actually think you need to you know get some more talent or develop in some areas that make the maybe reduce the risk and increase the opportunity so but the networks fundamentally are so important uh, personally for me I've got a big focus on networks into Asia right now which is, I suppose, where I spend a bit of time just because I see um, it's a lot easier to get into Australia and America because of all the other work that people are doing, but into Asia, very, very challenging. So when I think, if you look in the ice house, we get a lot of people coming to us because we're really open. So we see 30 new contact points of talent a month who just want to invest, find a job, um, be a judge, be a mentor at the University of Auckland, contribute in some way. So we've got 450 CVs on file. That's less than 20 months old. And we just, you know, we believe that those networks are incredibly important, you know, fundamentally to get access for our companies. Um, but we, again, just don't think that's enough. There needs to be more than networks and funding. Now, just to step back, you mentioned the University of Auckland there. Where does the University of Auckland fit in with the Ice House? What's the relationship there? So the business school there was the founder of the Ice House. It was originally you know, a group of four people, including the dean of the business school, Barry Spicer's idea uh, to create something that was a startup and SME kind of institution that would help um, Kiwi businesses grow and that the business school would contribute to that. So I think, you know, they're our founder. 
um, heavily involved in allowing us to act. We access their academics as and when we need them, and and they're on many of our programs as facilitators. Um, we support the Entrepreneurs Challenge, which is the million dollar investment fund that goes into SMEs every year at the business school. Um, so kind of heavily involved. A lot of the research. So we're now, uh, I think, a long time after we started, now contribute one percent of our revenue goes into research back into. Um, the business school, which is really cool. Um, and then we contribute back to Spark, the entrepreneurship challenge back there with mentors, judging, uh, and support for the winner when they come into the ice house, you know, when they win it. So it's, you know, we're heavily involved in and with them. We're a separate institution in our own right. And that's something that the business school felt pretty important about because they were worried that, you know, it just, we might not be set up to be successful. Given that working with entrepreneurs is challenging, they wanted us focused on that market. Yeah, that's great. And you've got a number of other uh, partners, um, BNZ, who, who sponsor the New Zealand Business Podcast, are, are one of them. How do those sort of partnerships and those relationships uh, help? Is it purely sort of a funding thing, or do they really help you uh, get out more broadly and 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 uh, you know connect with businesses across the country? So if you look at the BNZ, you know uh, that sits alongside some of some of our other partners like Hewlett Packard, Telecom, uh, Microsoft, BNZ in particular. Just great alignment with us because we're about Kiwi SMEs. You know, they are a massive part of the BNZ as they are all other banks. And what they saw with us, you know, 13 years ago is that if they offered the opportunity to their customers to lift their capability, when you lift capability, what happens? You get a productivity outcome, you grow your business, you borrow more money. Most of these SMEs, you know, actually, you know, like borrowing money. Uh, from the bank, especially when they're growing. So, but I think you know BNZ believed, and the more capable our people are, the more capable and better our country will be. And that's why they backed us 13 years on. You know, it's, I think 58 percent of our customers are BNZ customers, but 68 percent of our leads come from the BNZ. So they're actually referring non-BNZ customers to us because of what they believe. You know, in us, and you know, and I know. Um, about a year ago, we got together with the BNZ, uh, led by a guy called Andrew Thorburn, who's the CEO. He challenged the BNZ and the Ice House to say, love what you've done over 12 years, but I want you to touch more Kiwi business owners with the capability advancement stuff that you've done. So why don't you start all over again and think about how we might touch more than 500 SMEs a year. He set us a challenge of... Two to three thousand, which you can imagine, you know, <laughs> that's when quite you, a change. Yeah, you're kind of going, how would we ever do that? And so, you know, that was a year's piece of work that you know is now about to be launched in April, which is pretty cool. So, what is that? What are you about to What are you about to launch? So, essentially, what we did is the BNZ were running programs or for their own customers, and we were running programs. And about a year ago, we uh, researched about 600 Kiwi SMEs to truly understand you know, what they were their issues and what were their challenges and then how we might come up with some programs that would support their growth factors. And so what that led to is the BNZ stopping running all their programs um, and then supporting the Ice House to scale up. And so um, we colloquially call these things the Kiwi SME programs, which is essentially the research said this, hey, when I'm small and growing, I don't have time to go three days a month for five months on the Ice House Owner Manager Program, and I can't afford that. 
But if you could give me something that was two, two and a half hours, really focused on an area that I'm interested in, like retaining your staff, retaining customers, um, creating a performance culture, dealing with social media, that sort of stuff, then I would sign up to that and I would sign up to a package of programs. And then some people said, and it'll be really good if I could go on and do it on a webinar, you know, so if I can't get out of the, you know, yeah. the daily grind. And so essentially we're launching these new series of programs that are nationwide that are both two and a half hour programs, uh, webinar programs, and then longer ones like in governance if people really want to drill in. And we create a unique methodology which is really ice house way around sharing some expertise, um, focusing on what that means to your business and then getting an action plan out of it. That sounds great. And how does that differ from, I guess, the, the bigger programs that you've traditionally done and, and, and I presume you will still uh, yeah, keep keep doing for those that uh, you know, are, are able to invest more of their, their time? I think it's um, – ideally we would love all – Kiwi businesses to go on the owner-manager program, which is our flagship, but people just don't have the money all the time. And so what we wanted to do is help people on the journey um, get little bits and pieces as they go, as they build and grow their business, and then when they have the capacity to be able to step back and say, now, how do I take this business to the next level? I think, you know, and we had to be responsive with what people said to us were their challenges. Broadly, they the challenges fitted into finance, you know, um, how do I grow my business and the people-related stuff that every single business has challenged with HR. And, you know, for us it was then just about let's just break this down. I think the other thing, by the way, that we noticed is um, uh, we needed to be able to get across the country more. You know, a, a blinding piece of insight we had is only so many people get on the plane to Auckland. Ironically, given that we come from Auckland, you can imagine for other people outside Auckland that they would go, hello, <laughs> yeah. you know. But for us, we just we knew we had to take the programs nationwide. And so, you know, one of the other things we're doing this year is three sets of roadshows, um, 13, 13 or 12 centres during the course of the year. So that's three roadshows, which are free workshops for Kiwi SMEs. I think for us it's about, you know, I use this analogy on many of the programs that I talk about, how do you maintain or create momentum in your business? We all know that when you go to a really good business, there's something special about that business. You feel it, you see it. And so for us, it was like, let's share a lot of what we've done with people. Some will be free, some will be paid, some will be expensive so that we can get as many Kiwi business owners. So, you know, our big bag for this year, I think, is to get over 1,500 Kiwi businesses uh, going through a program with the Ice House. And then uh, actually in two years, we're going to try and shoot that 3,000 in a year, which is pretty cool. And we think that uh, with the support of people like the BNZ and maybe some other partners that are coming coming on board to, to help that scale up, uh, you know, we're going to get there in terms of, you know, the focus again is the more you invest in the capability of yourself, the better you will are. And in the context of businesses, that's about, you know, growing jobs um, and revenue growth, profit growth. Uh, because actually, again, we think the Kiwi business owners are the most amazing members of the community, you know, and so the more we can help them to be successful, we think New Zealand will be better. That's pretty cool. If we uh, if we look at the last well, the last the last few years really, the you know, a lot of uh, business owners have been doing it pretty tough with the state of the economy and so on. Yeah. 
that that appears to be uh, to be making making a turn. Um, any recommendations you can share on 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 what we as small business owners should be uh, you know should be putting our focus on? Because uh, as things ramp up, there's there's potential, I guess, for some in some businesses um, they've managed to keep their wheels on during the tough times. Maybe not draw a lot out in terms of profits and so on. But then if things ramp up too quickly, there's there's a, a chance the wheels might come off as well. Um, you know, h- how should we be balancing uh, balancing those things? There's a guy who said that, you know, what got me here won't get me there or something like that. Marshall, somebody, I can't remember his last name. You know, when it's really tough, you are incredibly focused on every aspect of your business to squeeze as much out of the lemon. And I think, you know, that is a great base for when you start growing and to be aware not to get carried away. You know, working on the business, not in the business, is all about going, I will take that deal but I'll turn that one down. So, you know, for me, I think having the awareness of, you know, what enabled you to survive is a great platform to go forward. And then to be really thinking about, you know, as the market grows, just being aware of what are all the little trend lines or things that could impact on your business and how you can improve them. And one of the things that we're launching as well this year is this BIQ, or Business of International Quality Framework, which is, we did 100 interviews of businesses and identified six key enablers to help Kiwi SMEs have an awareness of you know how good they are in areas like governance, the market, the offering, the leadership, the processes. So I think having an awareness of how healthy and good you are as in your business and what are the things that you're going to focus on. A lot of us in, who've worked in corporate see great corporate managers will focus or a business will say, this quarter we're focusing on that. Microsoft is amazing. This quarter... We're going to focus on that. Next quarter, we're going to focus on this. And you as a business owner, I think, need to you know, rally your staff to say, guys, here's the plan. This is the vision. Um, now, these are the three things that we're going to get right this year. And actually, it's quite amazing now. People who work for you want to know why your organization exists, what the purpose is, and what they can do. Like, we, talk, we laugh about Gen Y, but they've all got opinions. So isn't it great that, you you know, I I also, the other thing I say to my business owners is your aim is to sleep through the night and for your staff to wake up in the middle of the night and they kind of go, oh, and I go, no, no, that's what you want. You want to sleep through and get your staff, but to get them waking up in the middle of the night, they've got to buy in Mm. to what the why is and then you've got to give them ownership to see how they can actually take it to the next level and time and time again, the more you invest in your people, the more they have an opinion the more they care, the more they will drive the business. More challenging for you as a manager and an owner, but it is incredible if you unlock, I'm going to say if you unlock the beast within. <laughs> but if you create that opportunity for people to dream a bit in your staff, it is amazing what can happen, I think. So, you know, I don't know whether that sort of helps, but I do think, you know, the other thing I'll say is there are some businesses, even in this buoyant economy, and some industries that are really struggling. Retail? Agreed. Service industries, you know, some of the, you know, they've had to adapt. Like tourism and actually recruitment, it's amazing. I think they've probably been through some of the worst. It's amazing how much they've changed. But I think retail's tough, unless you're really big. And, 
yeah, the reality is is we're in a changing world where some of those uh, some of those areas are never going to be uh, you know what they once were because you have technologies changing things, globalization is changing things. There's a whole lot of factors, and uh, yeah, it's it's important for us to be you know, for business owners to be looking at those things and and making the appropriate adjustments, whether it's completely reinventing themselves. Partly reinventing. Do you do you think uh, that New Zealand business owners are, are good at that? Well, it's an interesting question. Andy Grove, who I think is co-founder of Intel, said only the paranoid survive. And then there's a guy called Jack Welsh who said, if the rate of change outside of your business is faster than the rate of change inside your business, the end is nigh. Both those quotes can be a bit challenging for us because you know paranoia is not nice to be around. And if you as a business owner are paranoid the whole time, you don't build trust with your staff. But I do think being on edge, being ahead of the curve, being aware of what is impacting on you and or what's coming up is important. Adam Clark, who is co-founder of MCOM, one of our most successful, probably the most successful startups out of the Ice House, him and his team were incredible in denying the move to the US for as long as possible because they would just go to the US market, look at the text-based market, and see, were kids texting? Because their whole driver would not happen around mobile banking until they saw a text culture. So they waited for two, three, four years. So, you know, sometimes you've got to be, you've got to take those uh, messages that are out there and then go and test them and go, actually, no, we're confident that's not a trend that's going to impact on us right now, and then be ready to move. Something about also great sports people have time, and I think, you know, for us as business owners, you've got to be aware of what's happening around you, but not freak out at every trend. You've got to be, you know, really in tune with actually this is impacting on me. And I think that's the hardest thing. And some of them, you know, like it wasn't hard to turn around in New Zealand. I'm, you know, an assumption, yes, it was difficult, but they had a burning platform. Mm. For those of us who everything is okay in our business, you know, and you can meet payroll and you get a dividend, that's that's the time when you need to be worried you know in retail and some of those other sectors they've got a burning platform where they're trying to work out how do they change what they do and in terms of I guess you, you need some headspace to be able to do that sort of thinking um, yeah. in terms of how you operate how do you make sure you've got enough head headspace do you you know do you take big breaks do you uh, you know, uh, have particular uh, patterns in terms of how you run your day or your week um, look, I think I'm probably the best at four in the morning, um, and uh, and if I get to bed at you know nine or ten, that's good. Um, I an outcome of me being up at four in the morning is that I'm a shit in a nightmare with my family, my kids, and my wife, and so um, I've got a balance being up at that time uh, with being horrible to them at the end of the day, and it's something that I you know I struggle with to be honest. I think um, I'm probably personally never really off I'm always on although you know one thing I love doing is walking with my dog and I love playing golf and I don't play a lot enough golf but when I'm exercising doing things like golf I'm a better father better husband um, and better at work as well so having the capacity to say no I find it really hard in the in my daily job not to meet as many people as possible because I just get a lot of energy out of that but I've got to take responsibility as as the as one of the staff members to do my job, 
which is not always to have coffees. My job is to be ahead of the business and help the team to be successful. And, and I think, you know, maybe the only reason I've stayed and been able to stay as long is because maybe I've adapted myself and what I've tried to learn from the likes of all of these owner managers, like the Bernie Crosbys of this world, is you have to change. You have to find room to do those sorts of things and to read and not just fill your up. Actually, my founder, David Irving, gave me once this great little um, matrix, which was the whole urgent and important matrix, the two-by-two matrix, and said to me, hey, Andy, I think you're in the um, urgent, not important quadrant the whole time. And for about a year, I used to every single week put down all the things I had to do and then map them onto that matrix and then try, try to get myself into the important, uh, not urgent quadrant. And, and I think every now and then I have to do that, I have to go back and write lists um, to be a lot more disciplined around how I spend my time. Yeah, I think um, sometimes we're yeah we're wired in a way that we do need to make an extra effort to get those things uh, to get those things right. Now, if we were to jump ahead a few years, let's say twenty twenty, how do you think you would describe New Zealand's business successes, particularly uh, you know with reference to what you think that the Ice House um, may have been able to help? New Zealand business achieve so that time. So we actually set some goals last year around that. So um, our aspiration for the contribution we can make to New Zealand between now and then is 25,000 new jobs created, um, 20 billion of incremental revenue growth, 3 billion of which is export related, and that we would have helped 500 startups get created and be generating about 1.5 billion of revenue. So we've got some selfish goals around helping businesses and creating jobs for the economy. I think if I looked at the broader economy, uh, one word that I would love to see is confidence. Just more confidence about you know where we can succeed, where we can't. Uh, I see a massive opportunity around into Asia um, and uh, you know into the North Americas, uh, as well as just continuing. You know, if you're a food-based company and you can't get into a uh, Australia and grow that. I mean, the Australians have a great love of New Zealand produce. So more confidence, um, really interesting times, I think, um, around uh, the brand of New Zealand and people. I think that, you know, we're in a great place now, but imagine what it will be like in seven years. Uh, and I hope we'll see some really big New Zealand businesses that were created here and now operate globally. You know, really big ones. Wouldn't it be great if there was 20 zeros? Absolutely, yeah. So if you were to lay out a challenge to the listeners of the New Zealand Business Podcast, what would, what would, that, what would that look like? So a couple of things for me would be if you're a, if you're a business owner, um, uh, you know, CEO, founder, whatever, um, engage more with other business owners and founders. So the challenge to me would be, you know, offer to one of your mates or colleagues you know to go on their board. Uh, or help them create a board because I think founders and business owners learn the best from each other uh, and so I would really encourage more business owners to spend time with more business owners. Secondly, I think investing in your own capability and your staff's capability, we have a view that you've got to get the owner first. You've got to unlock the owner's mind to what is possible with growing the business and then the staff will, will, will come. There's no point developing your staff first without you dealing with your own shit that you need to deal with. Um, and then I think, you know, uh, I definitely think with 
the established business owners finding a way to aspire for a greater business, for a bigger business, for a more successful. That doesn't mean you have to go offshore. They're great domestic orientated businesses. But, you know, I think if you don't do this, the thing I would say, if you're not a place where people want to work, they will leave because there are so many exciting places to go and work. And again, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you know, dartboards, you know, baked beans, you know, service businesses. If you are not uh, creating an aspirational environment for people to develop and learn, they will leave. And so, you know, the burning platform is you've got to create that environment where people want to come and work and spend all that time. Uh, And so the challenge I'd like to see is just people really being aware of that and then saying, what can they do to do, you know, to... Uh, to shunt it forward. That's great. I hope we step up to that challenge and uh, very excited certainly about the Ice House's aspirational goals and, and what that means for New Zealand. So thank you very much for your time, Andy. Cheers, mate. The New Zealand Business Podcast, brought to you by BNZ, helping you be good with money.